Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Good Humans Podcast with me, Cooper Chapman, chatting to the world's best about the inspiring stories that got them to where they are today. What's going on, you good humans? Welcome to guest episode number 115 of Good Humans Podcast with a very special lady by the name of Maria Braun. A huge thank you to everyone who continues to come back and listen to many episodes. If you could do me a massive favor, go and hit the like or subscribe button. It really helps us get us moving up the charts. Also, allows you to see when we have new episodes coming out. If you can leave us a little five-star rating as well, that would mean the world to me. And even just a little review, you can write a few words if you enjoy an episode, let the guests know what you thought of it, and it means so much to us. Big thank you, as always, to Drinker Repper, our sponsors, the Brain Drink, all done by Neuroscience. I use this stuff every single day. It's basically a little black currant juice in a glass bottle. You can pick it up at Woolies or Coles. In the cold section, uh, look for the purple black currant juice. It's so delicious, but it's got some really positive benefits for our brain. It's all... Been proven by science too. You can head over to their website, drinkarepa.com, learn about the science, and you can also pick some up on their website using the code GOODHUMAN. You get a massive 25% off. So go check that stuff out. Go take care of your brain. All right, today's episode, Maria. This chick is a legend. Such a girl boss. She, yeah, hit me up on email and said, I want to come down. I want to tell you my story. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. It sounds like you've um, achieved some amazing things in such a short life. And yeah, so she was born in Russia migrated over to Australia and yeah, has just had a really spectacular last, I guess, eight years of her life, really chasing the dream life that she wanted to have. She studied law, realized she didn't want to go into law and work for a few businesses. She's now the general manager at uh, Motor Culture Australia, which is this amazing motorsports um, brand where they run these giveaways. They have big meetups and it's just been so cool to watch her and what she's done there. So make sure you listen out for the end of the episode all about that. She's also the CEO and founder of Mirabelle Beauty and Wired Up. Two things you're going to hear about in this episode. I just love the way that she really makes all of the opportunities in her life happen for a full go-getter and someone who, yeah, I'm super inspired by. So let's jump into the chat. Welcome to Good Humans Podcast, Maria Braun. How you going, Maria? Thank you, Cooper. I am great. Sensational. Went for a walk on the beach. Beautiful place. Yeah. It's nice to be here, isn't it? Yeah. The Gold Coast and where I live here at Mermaid Beach, where my little podcast studio is, is um, something I pinch myself every day for how grateful I am to have this space, but also be so close to the beach and... Yeah, I love the Gold Coast. Yeah, honestly, it's a beautiful place. So when you said, do you want to come down? I was like, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, happy to be here. So your first podcast ever, you're telling me. You said someone else after we connected um, hit you up as well. But you're like, no, I'm going to wait and go on Good Humans. So thank you for taking the time to come down and have a chat today. Uh, of course. Um, yeah, when we had a chat, I, I was just very, very keen to um, stick to my word and say this was the first one I was really comfortable chatting to and really excited to share the story today. Can't wait to hear it all. You've got quite the interesting upbringing and quite the um, fascinating last, I guess, couple of years of your life building businesses and heads of companies. How old are you? I just turned 26. 26. You're a baby as well. <laughs> I, I just love young people getting after it and trying to get outside of the matrix, as we like to call it. But, um, how I like to open all of my episodes, you said you were thirsty, so we're going to start with your rep cheese. Um, a rapper, the brain drink. You said you've seen some of the marketing around and you've wanted to try it. Yeah. Um, all backed by neuroscience. It's a very special product, if you ask me. Um, yeah, millions of dollars of clinical studies have gone in to prove that it works and um, actually has benefits to our brain, both short-term and long-term. So we've got the performance one today. Get a little bit of a shake. Oh, we'll drink it. And, um... and I'll give you a cheers and you can give us an honest first-person review, <laughs> real time. You like black currant juice? That actually tastes so good. Yeah, it's, it's tasty, but it's quite strong, the, this one, the performance one, the light and sparklings, a little bit lighter. Mm. Um, but this one, I don't know, I feel like it's pretty good to keep I, the energy in. I really like the taste. It's 
good flavor, good texture. And Delicious, I love black currant. And hopefully the um we'll see how we incline in performance throughout yeah, the conversation. We'll, we'll watch our brain get fired up throughout the chat. We've got, uh, we're going to lock in for a nice conversation here. But the other question I do like to open all my podcasts with is, what are you grateful for right now today? Um, I always am grateful for my family um, because without them I wouldn't be here. And the support and love that you get from your family, it's the most authentic one. So, yeah, my family is absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I love that. What, what are, are you, you most grateful for? What am I most grateful for? Right now, I think kind of what we started with, just living here at Mermaid Beach. I've been away for the last oh, a couple of months, really. I was in Europe at the start of June, and then I was in Auckland, and then I was in Bali, and then it's been to the snow. And now I've got about two to three weeks of just sort of being at home, and I just love it. It's so nice. I walk across the road to the beach and have my coffee for sunrise most mornings with my girlfriend, and... Every afternoon we walk over for sunset and stand on the beach and watch it down the beach. Um, and, yeah, I think it's something that I know in the future I'm going to look back at and be like, wow, I had such a beautiful chapter there. Yeah. So it's important to be grateful and reflect on it while it's happening. So, yeah, I think just where I live right now and uh, Mermaid Beach is what I'd say I'm grateful for. I love that. But today's all about you. So. <laughs> Sorry, I ask a lot of no, questions no, no, after that. It's good. Make it more conversational. You can ask me as many as you want as we go. I don't get too many asking so I enjoy it. Um, so let's go back to the start. Yep. You've got quite an interesting story. You were born in Russia. Yep. Tell me all about it. Um, Tell me about your upbringing. Upbringing. So I was born in Russia. We moved here um, as a family, just my my mum, my dad and myself when I was four. My mum actually moved here before me, uh, before me and dad. Um, for a year um, and then dad and I made the journey across um, and I've watched them build such an incredible life together because they're, they're both in the medical profession and obviously coming here with no English um, having to learn the way of the land restudy um, and build an incredible business um, and a skill set just took so much determination and hard work and obviously it was always rewarded and they got sacrificed I had to sacrifice so much um, to put me in different schools um, I always had to go to private school because obviously not being a citizen I couldn't go to public school for free so they had to support me in that way um, and they always believed in education obviously as well um, and we moved around quite a lot due to their training. So I went to about nine different schools, some of which here on the Gold Coast. Um, but from an upbringing standpoint, they were always so incredibly supportive, but um, in a way that make makes you, I guess, perform. Um, because for them, coming from, from the Soviet Union, obviously, you'd be raised a little bit differently. I, I was quite small. I can't say that I remember exactly what it was like, but um, they're, they're always very much a mindset of discipline, education, performance, and being um, the best that you can be. And they, as I said, I'm very grateful to them because they make, they make you reflect on your weaknesses and not to put you down, but to see where you can strengthen yourself and constantly be the best version of yourself and live up to your potential because so many people become so complacent in what is, what is normal or perceived as normal, I'm doing the air quotation marks, um, but it's actually um, looking back at it, yes, it might have been harsh, it might have been some discipline, no, you can't go to that party, no, you can't do um, that or you can't go to the sleepover, stay at home, like things like that. And don't get me wrong, they let me do certain things but they were quite strict on other ones. Um, it it just makes, it, makes you understand that um, you build your own limitations and the people around you support those limitations and the brain is so much like a muscle that if, if it's uncomfortable because you're not surrounded by it, um, that you won't do it. So um, long story short, I'm very grateful to my parents for always pushing me and reflecting back on it. That That is why, because they always see more potential than you see in yourself. No, it's great. Those, those values that our parents instill in us, sometimes while it's happening, may, maybe not the best thing when we're getting disciplined as children, but then looking back when you're older and you can look up to your parents as not peers, but as people who you understand a bit more when you're an adult, it's nice that you can reflect on that and be like, oh, I understand now why they were the way they were. And as well, the way that you touched on briefly, that they grew up in the Soviet Union, they grew up in a completely different reality to you. Yeah. So they only know what they know. So it's beautiful to hear that you can 
be grateful for the upbringing that they gave you here in Australia. I want to touch on the fact that you went to nine different schools. I'm guessing English, obviously, now is your first language, but growing up, four years old, you probably would have spoken Russian, or maybe at home as well, you would have spoken... It's Russian, yeah? Yeah, Russian, Russian. (laughs) Was that difficult, going to so many different schools, making new friends, having that... Being a bit different, I'm sure, as a kid to other kids, if you had a bit of a Russian accent from when you were a child and speaking at home with mum and dad, was it hard to continue moving around schools from what you remember? Um, I think I, I still remember my first day of kindy, um, at, well, kindy as a whole, and then also um, going into prep. I would write my name in crayon in Russian. I, it's very similar, um, M-A, and then there's like a, like a shh letter. It's like a... <laughs> It's like fork kind of. Um, so I'd always write my name um, in Russian and I'd have to sign like a lunch. And I remember like mum packed me soup on my first day of kindy or something. And um, they put it in the fridge and like having to eat it and everyone was eating sandwiches. And um, I think the, the teachers were very helpful and they they brought in a translator to, to help me communicate. And I used to run away from her. I don't remember why. Um, it, and it was quite challenging, I, I think, because I couldn't speak the language, but um, I picked it up relatively quickly. I think I just didn't speak for a while and then I just started speaking English. And, yeah. um, but my parents very much instilled um, that I had to retain Russian. So they got me to read and write. And my grandparents used to, um, they came here for a couple of months and um, they drilled into me like, no, you can't go to the beach until you um, you write this sentence. Uh, very grateful that I know it now. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was very, very challenging in the first couple of years. Um, uh, but I think I don't really remember the accent because I was very small and I don't really have it now. Like I think but people say I have like an American one <laughs> I don't know um a hybrid <laughs> yeah just a hybrid um I have a very strong English accent when I speak Russian now uh, oh. which is interesting um but in terms of nine different schools I think the first couple it, it was obviously challenging as a child to leave all your friends and then go somewhere else and then have to make new ones and then but after after the first few moves, um, I got quite good at it. And you just, I think it obviously has benefited me in my career now where I just, I can speak to people and it doesn't bother me too much because you, you just have to adapt and overcome. Mm-hmm. And um, if you want to make friends, you do. But I, my, I started grade 12 at a new school at Brisbane Girls Grammar. Um, so I went to first year, OP, um, all the oh, subjects yeah. matter, um, no friends. <laughs> new school um I remember the first two days I ate lunch in the in the bathroom um because I just didn't not because everyone was everyone was lovely but I just I wanted to just be in my own circle um so I think it's made me a very much introverted extrovert where I can communicate with people but I'm very comfortable with my own company now as well interesting yeah I'm just I'm just like wrapping my head like nine (laughs) schools over 12 or 13 years is like maybe two or three of your schools you did more than one year at like that's crazy i went back to schools quite a few times yeah so that was weird yeah that would have been interesting like leaving for a year and then coming back what when you were going through high school what did you think after school was going to look like for you what were you passionate about what did you think the future for maria was going to look like um from the age of seven i always wanted to be a lawyer um i saw like i remember first i wanted to be a dentist um and then i wanted to be a lawyer so after school, I did law and business at university, applied for that. That was just, there wasn't really the option of, are you going to uni? It was, what are you doing at uni? Yeah, for, it just, it wasn't even a question. It was just kind of, that's what's happening. And that's completely fine. I think that would have supported me regardless, whatever I did. But um, it was always law and business. So I got into law um, and business, studied that. Um, and yeah, then decided that that wasn't, really for me but we can get into that later but yeah let's talk about that what what was uni like how did you find that for someone who's grown up in a somewhat strict household continually moving around for mum and dad's work did you feel like once you got to 18 and you had a bit more independence you were like oh I can make my decisions myself a bit more or was it all right I'm going to do uni and then I'm an adult and I can start changing my path a little bit if I want to Uh, that's funnily enough I finished high school at 16 so I had the two years of uni where I didn't have How'd that. How did you finish so early? Um, I got, I, because I moved around a lot, I had the, 
I skipped skip to uh... yeah, skip to grade here here and there. I can't tell you which one I skipped. I think I skipped half of one somewhere and then went into another half somewhere else. And then yeah, I was sixteen. I was always the youngest. I got my learners halfway through year twelve. Um, so did I. Oh no. Yeah. yeah. I think I got my learners. Yeah, I finished school when I was I didn't have my P's when I finished. I must have finished school when I was sixteen as well. No, that can't be right. I was 17. I must have just got my P's. Anyway. We'll have to look back. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll round back on that. I couldn't have finished. But 16 seems so young. Yeah, well, yeah, just turned 16 in my yeah, halfway through because I'm a junior yeah, baby. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I was 15 halfway through year 12 and then turned 16. So, turned 17 first year of uni. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I was so eager to get my license. I was so excited. I just loved cars all the time. Um, but, yeah, so I didn't really have that freedom because I was still – 16 mum still had to drive me or I'd have to catch public transport or um yeah so I kind of carried that across into university and, and where were you living here up in Brisbane yeah I was living with my parents in Brisbane um just got had my my brother as well um so he was still a baby so I wanted to be around my family more that kind of obviously tied tied in where I didn't want to leave um and yeah then I went to university and uh, I've always had this mindset, like I wanted to start working. I, I don't know why, but I got my first job at 14 as soon as I could. McDonald's then uh, got a job at City Beach. So while I was studying at school, I had jobs. Then I started working for my dad um, and then um, obviously didn't work at McDonald's or City Beach when I was at uni. So started working for my dad full time. So that became normal um, where I just work full time structure my lectures and tutorials around that. Then as university goes, you watch them online or you don't watch them at all and then you have the art of cramming at the end um so then when I turned 18 my my choice of freedom was I'd stopped working for my dad and I got a another full-time job that was kind of the freedom that I I experienced for myself um so I got a job at Telstra Business uh continued my degree and that just that was just normal. Yeah, so you're juggling uni and working at Tulsa Business. What was that um transition like going from working for the family to moving on to your own thing? Um, I that actually was very freeing for me because I could go to to work as I had to, and then structure my university as I needed to, and then could come home and not talk about work because it wasn't my parents' company, um, which which was really refreshing, um, but obviously like learned a lot from working with my, with my parents cause I had to, um, like deal with patients and like I worked, worked for my dad's medical practice and kind of helped him organize all the, all the things. And then moving into Telstra, it was just a very different experience. I actually had no idea what the job was. Someone recommended it to me. They're like, Oh, you should try this job. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, I had no idea what cold calling was. <laughs> um rocked up on the first day they taught us training on phone plans I was like okay and then they gave us a headset and they're like oh you just have to call and okay cool so I just picked up the phone and started calling and um became quite good at it um and that was just from being able to just speak to a human being on the other end of the phone which like I didn't actually think that I was cold calling I didn't have that fear for some reason it was just Yeah, yeah yeah So what was the role there, cold calling, trying to encourage people to sign up for Telstra, I was, upgrade their plans? It was calling Telstra business customers um, to sell them MBN and phone plans, which was really, um, really fun. I don't know right. if you're with Telstra, but <laughs> Telstra is an interesting one to, um, to call uh, because everyone hates Telstra until your phone like works perfectly. But you got sworn at, sworn at a lot, which was no. fun. How yeah. was that? Was that something that you look back on that you're glad you went through to learn how to handle no and learn how to handle rejection? I think it, it very, sales is very much a resilience building exercise and that really solidified that work ethic. I think that you just keep calling and one, the person doesn't know you, so recognising that it's not about you, um, that was a really big one for me. Two, nothing is interlinked, so your reaction to one person should not carry across into another um, and three, it was um, your input directly correlates to your output. And for me, that was what sales became. Um, and that's like I started solidifying that from the age of 18 is I work harder, I get more or I work smarter, I get more. And people actually started looking at my results and questioning what I was doing wrong to get 
where I was and they would start looking into my sales and listening to my call recordings, like not my managers, but my peers, because I was outperforming them, which was really, really interesting. And it was really just having authentic conversations with people and not trying to sell, which is... Yeah, <laughs> an interesting way to look at it. Yeah. So you're studying business and law while taking on this job. I can imagine it's hard to juggle a full law degree and also working full time. Um, there were a couple of all-nighters, definitely. Um, but I think because I'd always done that, like now even looking back, I, I forgot about schoolwork. Um, I'd done some form of sport during school at, at some always point. Juggle. Yeah, I, didn't really love sport at the time. It's transition become love now, but um, I'd always juggled something. Um, so it, it was just kind of, you, you just do it. I, I don't know. Mm. You just had to do it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Well, now we're up to where I'm excited to chat about the last, yeah. I guess, four or five years. Yeah. You finished your degree, but you didn't go into law. Yeah. Tell me about that. So um, I was at a crossroads where I was at wrapping up a Telstra business. Um, they'd gone through restructures and, I've been there for about two, three years um, and I'd finished my degree and I could go into an entry-level legal role, um, which one would have been a pay cut for a nine, 20, I was 20 at the time, 21 maybe. Um, I was like, oh, is that worth it? Like I, I could start moving out. I could do different things. Um, but I applied. I was like, I've done my law degree. I should apply for a job. So I applied for two. <laughs> Poor effort on my part. Um, and uh, one of them came back saying they filled the position. The other one never got back to me. And I took that as a sign as I don't, it's, it's not for me. It's like, I don't want to sit in a law office for 14 hours a day um, being stuck to one location because when you specialize in something, it's usually to one legislation and mm. you can't really go anywhere. Um, and then pretty much working for someone and not having any freedom at all. until yeah <laughs> 15 years in to maybe start your own practice maybe like, yeah it's like a, it's a weird one law uh, i can understand why people do it it's a obviously a high paying job at times but yeah yeah it seems like and if you i i, I don't have enough experience on it because i've never actually interned yeah, yeah. in a law firm ironically ever yeah. uh, but you i feel that if you want to make the most money if that's what you're doing it for, or if you want to have success and have the freedom and have the practice, you, you'd be questioning what you're representing, mm. if that makes sense. Um, I won't elaborate on that too much, but if you want to do the right thing and represent people that, you know, yeah, in, struggling, yeah, then you go work for the state and don't make any money. So it's like, yeah. and at the end of the day, like no one wants to work for free, right? Yeah. And um, have an impact. Like obviously, I want to have an impact, but you're not going to be working 16 hour days in a yeah. law firm and not be able to feed your family. Mm. So, so we didn't yeah. go with law. What was that we, next chapter then? You left uh, Telstra business. Um, I went to Go One, which is now a unicorn company, um, and I did sales development. So cold calling again, account man, um, yeah, account sales. I did my legal internship, a second one there, um, and then started sales training there. But then. About a year into that, I was like, I want to start my own company. So it's a unicorn company. A billion dollar valuation. Wow. So they, was it small when you started there? It was um, it was still in its startup phases. So it was about two two years old, three. It's three. called Go One. Go One. What is it? Um, so they're an e-learning company. Uh, they pretty they're like Netflix for learning, and they um partner with like Harvard Business, um, uh, a lot of different compliance companies, mental health companies. Um, to, they've partnered with Beyond Blue and you pretty much sell it into business companies to give them thousands of resources to give to their staff um, on any particular topic like Excel, um, well-being, managing stress, time management, really good during COVID because yeah. people had to transition to working from home um, and having like set up, setting up your desk for ergonomics. Like there were so many topics. Yeah. It was really cool. Um so yeah, I had no idea what it was either, but my, one of my bosses reached, reached out to me a few times and was like, take the job, take the job, take the job. I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> one <laughs> so, of your bosses from Telstra was like, hey, you should go. Yeah. So she here. moved there and she, um, she called me oh, about sure. three times. Um, and I said no. And then I was like, don't want to be a Telstra. Don't want to be a lawyer. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, and I always like to surround myself with inspiring people and the head office was here um i'm actually catching up with andrew the ceo um next week but i was like this is an opportunity to learn and to 
be around um, people that have built something incredible and how did you come up with this idea how um how did you reach out how did you get funding how did you make it across a, a global unicorn company now mm-hmm. and being able to sell that into places and um get that experience and um i guess have a corporate have a corporate experience that's not archaic like telstra but mm-hmm. having that start startup culture was really different um and it gave me the opportunity to ask for roles. Um, I asked to do my legal internship there so I didn't have to take time off. Um, I asked for advice on on starting a company um, from um, Chris, who's the, was their COO at the time. Like I just sat down with him and was like, hey, can you walk me through like what you did? Um, what are your struggles? Um, even then when I went to motor culture, I sat down with him. I was like, hey, I'm going to be starting a team. Like walk me through that. So it's taking that opportunity to learn from the people that have done it as that that's something that I always do and yeah. strive to do. Um, but then I also started my own company because I got quite comfortable there doing what I was doing. Um, and I started Mirabelle Beauty during COVID, which... Yeah, let's yeah. talk about that. I want to just talk about working for this company. Were you killing it with sales there as well from the, the carryover skill of sales? Um, that That is why my boss wanted me to... Oh, my ex boss wanted me to come there. Um, y- yes. <laughs> um, I have, I've developed a methodology now looking back at how, um, how I did my sales approach. Um, but yeah, just finding the right people, understanding pain points, um, and just actually having a conversation and understanding the human at the other end of the line, because everyone calls and goes, Hey, I'm just selling you some like solar panel energy and it's like no one cares man like it's like why why would they be interested in it and actually just finding the why and um you yourself believing in what you're selling and understanding how it could benefit the person and then asking them the right questions to get them to understand why they should even consider buying it and not pushing on it now it's like now or maybe later and that will develop a pipeline of opportunities for like one, two, three years because it's that roll-on effect of it's like a habit or going to the gym. It's like if you do it once, it's not going to do anything. But mm-hmm. if you consistently keep building and developing relationships and like six months later, they will email back. And then, yeah, my first month I hit target, then I exceeded target. And then I was consistently like getting 200, 250% to target because all those people that said no came back a year later a on, relationship. Yeah, on top of the ones that I was getting again. And I remember there was one that pretty much told me to F off like on the phone. And he's like, how did you get my number? And three months later, I reached out to him again. I was like, hey, I just want to touch base. Like, again, sorry about last time. Like, got your number off LinkedIn. Like, here's a screenshot. Um, And then it booked in a meeting. It was a quarter of a million dollar deal. Wow. And it's just like being polite, being kind, being persistent. And just, again, understanding the person's situation and not taking it personally, um, but also having that value and what you're selling and how it will benefit that person and also knowing when to let go mm-hmm. as well that's the big one is yeah see i need to learn i was telling you i'm um, at the stage where i'm about to get an ea or someone to help me with my bookings and i'm like i need someone like you to like help me <laughs> i've never cold called or outreached to anyone for any of my workshops but i now have the data to show that it's a good enough product that it's worth selling which is what you said like as long as you believe in the product then it's a lot easier yeah. but then it's like yeah it's like how do you communicate with that with people it's such an art sales well it's um i found that you need to your product doesn't change right yeah. like every single product has the core elements of it and those core elements will will never really change but it's how they benefit that person it's like a, an analogy i used with um i love analogies sorry but <laughs> Um, an analogy I use with my sales rep, I was like, an iPhone, right? You get five different people walking into the Apple store. One's an old couple, uh, one's uh, a boss and an EA, right? Um, and one's just an individual that loves the latest iPhone. Are you going to sell it to them the same way? No, right? The boss and the EA, who's making the purchasing decision? What's it for? And how would you upsell them on on a bigger phone? What's the purpose of it? Are they creating content? Are they using different apps? Do they need the bigger screen? Like what, what is it that they're using it for as opposed to the elderly couple? Will they need the Apple care? Do they need to learn how to use it? Like, is it for their grandchildren? Do they need to stay connected? Um, what are the different ways? It's the same product, 
right? And this person who just wants the latest and greatest new phones, like, sick, here's the iPhone 14 Pro Max. Have a nice day. Like, he knows what he wants. You just give them that. And um, same with the car, right? Like, people, and people focus so much on budget. (laughs) It's not about the budget. It's about the value that it brings to the person, especially with B2B selling. Obviously, like, sometimes money matters, absolutely. But um, you go into a car dealership, and they're trying to sell your car. Okay, cool. What's your budget? And then automatically, like say 60 grand, hypothetically, yeah. that's stock standard car. Um, you walk in there, $60,000. Okay, cool. So you've cut off half of the stock that you have on the floor mm. immediately, straight away. Bam, 30 seconds done. Okay, cool. But if you ask them, how long are you going to keep the car for? Are you financing? Are you buying it? What is it for? What's the purpose? Are you going to hold it? Are you going to resell it? Because if a $60,000 car might resell value will go down, right? 20 grand. 15, 10, whatever. But say an AMG V8, those aren't being made anymore. That's going to hold its value more. Therefore, you can keep it. Yeah, the repayments will be a little bit higher, but when you resell it, you're going to get more back. Mm. I'm not a tax agent or like a financial advisor by any means. But, but you do know cars and selling cars, which we will catch up in this part yeah. of the story. But, but my, my point is, right, like you've cut off the budget like there, So you, but you've not actually looked at why this person is buying the car mm. and what they're going to do with it when you could potentially sell them a $120,000 car that will be more beneficial to them mm. in the long term, right? Yeah. So, yeah. No, no I love that. <laughs> made my mind just think so much. I need to, like, organise way more. Anyone who applies for my workshop, I need to call them and just be like, hey, what are, what are the problem you're trying to solve? Like, why do you need a workshop? And it's like, by just talking to people, I feel like I'd book double the amount. Or you find out what 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 product what problems do you solve? What are the features of your product? And what questions? And this is the important part. Yes, you know that it will solve the problem. They don't. Mm. What questions are you going to ask them to get them to realize they have the problem that you solve? Yeah. And then you go, okay, sick. So you've said you have this. Uh, my favorite part is so if I could solve this, 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 and this, you haven't positioned it yet. So I can solve like mental health and well-being you said uh, your culture um bringing people together getting them to be more grateful getting them to be more mindful if i could solve all of that for you is that a product that you'd be interested in investing in yeah awesome okay cool so what we yeah. do is a b c d and e and it's going to solve a b x y and z that you've said yeah what's that worth to you mm. like do you have a price point that that's worth to you no you can't you can't put a price point yeah. on your employees well-being awesome well and then you, the fee doesn't even come into it. Like yeah. um, I make my sales team, um, we have two slides. They're exactly the same. One has the offering and then we replicate it. And then it has the price because we get them to agree to what it is. And then we refine it before we tell them the price, mm. because if that's not right, then you've done the whole pitch wrong. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I just feel like we always do it backwards because we're like, Make sure it's okay with the price, and then we'll tell them the rest of it. Or it's no point in telling them the rest, and then coming in with the price, and they go, "Oh, we can't afford it anyway." But in the discovery, you go, "What would be the budget we're working towards?" Yeah. Um, and you give them a range. Yeah. Um, that's actually a, a tip I learned. I always yeah, listen to like right. YouTube videos, but you just go. So if we're like we have a lot of different product offerings, if they're between like five and ten, um, what would you be looking at spending? <laughs> Uh, what would you be looking at spending? I always um, say the bottom. <laughs> well, no, you just give them a different range. come back and go, oh, probably, yeah. yeah. No, and then no. you give them half, double that because yeah, yeah. usually there's more budget. But you get a gauge, like how much are they yeah. willing to spend? You don't tell them what the product is. You don't really, you just, mm-hmm. yeah. You, and there's different questions you can kind of ask to see what they're spending on other things or their startup. But, um, yeah, you don't, you don't start with the price. Who yeah. starts with the price? Yeah. <laughs> nah. So I could talk I about that all day. I know, but no, no, this is great. I think I, I'm always fascinated by sales, and I think anyone listening can just from that little part of our conversation pick up some skills that you don't have to be a salesperson, but it's just about. I don't know how to say this without it being like coming from a bad place, but it's just like it's how you can influence people and how you can get what you want more often. Yeah. In all the stuff we do, it doesn't have to be selling someone a product. It's just how to like. Yeah, learn how to communicate in a way that you can guide people. So many people don't know how to communicate anymore. Um, like everyone's on their phones, everyone's texting, and it doesn't necessarily have to, like, it doesn't even have to be in a bad way that it's what you want. But as long as it aligns, as long as you're not doing wrong by that person, mm-hmm. um, then it's not. 
Yeah. It's, it's mutually beneficial. Yeah, yeah. And I just feel like I'm bugging people. <laughs> I'm gonna get over that. I'm gonna get over that. Yeah, you gotta get over that. Yeah. It's like if you believe in what you're selling and you're doing amazing things, like you got you gotta yeah. just gotta get it out in the world. I'm gonna employ someone to do that for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I want to get back into yeah. your entrepreneur journey. You mentioned real briefly you started a brand while you were still at what was it called? Go One. Go One. Yeah. The unicorn brand, billion dollar business. Um, Based here in Brisbane. That's so cool. I never heard of them. And that's crazy. I'd like do education too. It's probably a good person to talk to. Definitely. I should link, get you to link me with the CEO. It'd be interesting to chat to on the pod. Yeah, for sure. We'll chat about that after. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so tell me about your brand. What gave you the idea to start it? You said COVID had just hit. Yeah, um, yeah you're working. Just finish your uni degree? Um, Finishing. I think I was still... Uh, I was I went through this whole phase where I just did diploma after diploma because I didn't know what to do with myself. Okay. Like I was like I had to keep learning. Keep <laughs> keep but learning. Then you start your own business. Tell yeah. me about that. Um so I started um I, during COVID I like looked into like that dropshipping thing. I hated the the times, like the, the like the eight week wait time that's not for me. And then I ordered one, it came like three months later, it was shitty quality. I'm like, okay, we're not doing dropshipping. Um so how can I solve a product, a problem? What can I do? um salons aren't open nothing's open um my mom can't do her nails i can't do my nails uh, we're both nail biters like chronically yeah, me too i <laughs> showed you when we first sat down and bit my nail and i'm bleeding oh no yeah i <laughs> still bleeding still need a tissue for that <laughs> um yeah it's a chronic nail biter um and then mum just had had her kid uh my brother max um and she was walking around after him she can't like have nail polish because like he'll go do something and it smudges and it doesn't dry and um yeah so it was a serious issue um then i tried like those uv lights that you can do at home i don't have the patience for that i don't have the patience for nail polish um so i started looking into like sns which is really healthy um for your nails but in the nail salon you have to still use the What's uv light SNS? it's like a dipping powder okay. so um really easy to apply because you just put on a base coat which is clear so if you got go off it's it's not messy because then you just wipe it and then the color goes on perfectly. And the best part was that um, I found, I worked with the manufacturer, dries instantly, no UV light, no nothing, and no mess. So you grow your nails yeah. to how you want them, yeah. you paint them with a base coat and then you dip them in, you put a drop of color in water that you want and you just dip them uh, in. It's a little powder jar, like that big, jar. and you um, the base coat's wet, so you dip it in and then the powder just sticks to the base coat. Wow. And then you activate it and put on a shiny top coat and it dries instantly. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then there's like over 50 different colors now, um, which we consistently develop. Well, I always say we. It's just me. <laughs> I did the same with the good humor factor. I always say we, but it's just me. It's like me and my multiple personalities. Yeah. Well, it's just like, you, you just sound like someone like me. You like to like not make it about you, but then it yeah. kind of is about you. But but it's not because it's it, like, yeah, exactly. It's yeah. not. It's a brand. It's yeah, yeah. we, we, we. Is <laughs> yeah it sounds better like as, yeah. as we um but yeah we've got over um, 50 colors now and um yeah just continue to develop the quality of that and i w- i wanted to release it properly so i ordered five thousand units as, as you do it's a big order <laughs> it was a massive a huge order <laughs> but um i was really uneducated in the space when i do something i just kind of yeah, like I just want to do it. Um, so I was like, I need the magnetic boxes. They need to look luxurious. They need to. I want the person to enjoy the brand. The experience, like, yeah. yeah, it's like you've gone to the salon and it's at home, right? So, um, making sure that the bottles are glass. Big mistake, by the way. So don't do glass bottles for anyone. <laughs> um, just because they they stick shut, which is very annoying. Um, so moved into plastic ones. But, um, yeah, ordered five thousand of the same um colors, same boxes and um had them delivered um i actually started by because influencer marketing was massive at the time so i got 10 boxes made into the colors of certain influencers so um like rachel dylan um lauren simpson danny bell um here at the gold coast um libby powell um, I remember Demi um, Anthony, um, Muscle Nation, um, one of the founders there, she, oh, so the wife of Nathan. Um, I had a box made with their names on it in their colors so that I could send it to them and get that brand awareness going um, as well. So that was really interesting. Um, How'd that go? Did they post about it? A couple did and a couple didn't. Um, it, it is what it is. Like, the, I don't know. 
So, so. I know it's like sending influences. It's um, it's interesting uh, to see um, I guess the impact it has or or not. Like, it is what it is. I've I've kind of now pivoted to I don't want to do influencer marketing because I love like all of those brands, but I don't want to have a brand where I'm begging people to try it. If that makes sense, um, I've built a community of incredible women um, over Facebook, over all of the reviews. I was telling you before this, I didn't know people fake reviews, <laughs> um, but I was authentically asking people to review the product after they'd bought it, after they'd used it. Um, I'd email like the five star reviews, the ones that I noticed were buying more and more. So like four, five plus orders. I'd be like, hey, um, can you please write a review? Could you please send me a video? Just why you've changed it. And then I started doing webinars. Um, and on the first webinar, I was like, well, why did you guys start using it? And they're like, um, it would damage, salons would damage my nails. I was a nail biter. I'm embarrassed to go. Like I never got the quality and now I get to do it myself. And I was like, that's like, that's amazing. Please send me a video saying that. Um, and then I started running that as ads. And now I've actually just started these campaigns of Facebook ads of me talking, going, I don't run fancy ads because this is for real women to do at home. And our community speaks for itself. And here's like a video of a mum at home. Like I honestly, I cried at some of these. There was like, a, there was an old lady. Um, her name was Faye. Like she was an elderly woman and she had a husband holding the phone. And then she like, he flipped the phone around. She like cut it all together for me. Like, and she's like, this is how easy it is. Um, my husband's doing a great job. And I was like, oh my God, that was so cute. And then another, um, uh, many of them, they just, they set it up beautifully on their bench tops and they film these high quality videos. Like they get nothing in return. So for me, that is better than, um, an influencer that, sending something for free. Yeah. yeah. It's like, these are people that actually have bought the product, use the product, love the product. And to me, that's more important mm. than me begging people to try it because our community, it speaks for itself and it has this impact on them. And that's what makes me excited. And that's what the brand is. And every month I run this webinar um, to like get people to be confident and comfortable doing their own nails at home. Mm. Um, and we just share tips and tricks and it consistently evolves into, um, because I, I, I want people to use it because I've seen the impact um, and how good it can be. And yeah, the first couple of times, but it's like with anything, right? Like you're not going to be good at it. Like even with nail polish, like you're not going to apply it perfectly the first time. Yeah. Um, and it's educating people on, on that and making sure that they know what, where they can improve before they give up on it. Um, and then hopefully they can love it. And if not, like, yeah, we also appreciate that um like not everything's for everyone right like, yeah yeah absolutely. So i could go on so that's been going for like three years now you're saying you're having like 300 percent growth each year which uh, is... second year just gone into second year and yeah this past year i've just been focused on new customer acquisition and had yeah, over 300 percent growth which is wow. yeah, i looked at the number yesterday because when you're in it you're like oh let's do better do better yeah, do you can always <laughs> get more you can always get more yeah. Hey, going. You got through your five thousand units. Uh, yes, I have. I've, I've gotten through those. Uh, we've made multiple orders since then. Um, but yeah, still, still packing from um from the garage. So really? me too. I'll show you my garage. So <laughs> when, we, when we leave this um this episode, yeah. how can anyone, if they want to grab some, go online and pick them up? And yeah, what's the cost to buy? Um, know, this is obviously something that I have no idea about. <laughs> Uh, website is mirabellebeauty.com um, and if you use code FB20 you'll get 20% off but um, depending on when this episode launched there's also a sale on at the moment um, beauty yeah cool. amazing and we're doing our first in-person event on the 27th teaching August. people how to do the nails yeah and uh, the launch two years later finally actually doing a launch event. I love that yeah. there's many other things you're doing though That's, this is why I'm really excited to get to this part of this conversation you don't just do nails what else are you doing right now? Um, so I've... So you, so you left Telstra? I left Telstra. I left Go One. Um, you left, sorry, you left uh, Telstra. You no, left Go a, One. That was a hard choice because Go One has had always been and still is so supportive of me um, in terms of my professional growth. But when I started my company, as I said to you, I like to be surrounded by people that I can learn from and mm. that have the similar mindset. And um, around the corner from where I live, there was Motoculture Australia and... I, said to you, I love cars, like driving. Like as soon as I got my license, I was like, yeah, let's go. Um, and there, there were just some awesome cars and I saw that they were really young 
like really young guys. And I'm like, what, what is this? I Googled it. It's a subscription. You could win a car. I was like, surely not. Like what? Um, and then I was at a coffee shop. They pulled up and the owner of the coffee shop um, was like, yeah, that's motor culture. They're around the corner. You can win cars. I was like, okay. What? And then I, um, I saw one of them won an award. Um, so I messaged them and I was like, hey, congratulations. I'd love to meet you guys. Like I just started an e-com brand. Would love to connect with like-minded people, like of a similar age. Um, can I come in and um, like meet you guys? And they're like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that, that was really lovely. Um, and I like, I got up the courage. I was like, okay, I'm going, I'm going to go. Um, and I walked in there and they weren't there and it was so awkward. <laughs> it was like the most awkward thing. They're like, hey, yeah, nice to meet you. Um, and then I just kind of I persevered and that was that introverted extrovert um, there. And I was like sticking around, like, would we be able to like go to lunch or like, and just message, like I start going to events um, because they host a lot of events. Um, I just like, I just kind of be around. What do they do? They host events and you go in a subscription thing to win cars. Yeah, so, so car giveaways. Of, yeah, so it's kind of like LMTC. LMTC, yeah. yeah. Um, similar. Um, yeah. So you go on a subscription, you can win a car um, every single week pretty much um, but more importantly we're building that membership and partnership channel so connecting with different small businesses and bigger businesses around the country to give them awareness but also give back to the community and we host events now all across the country so every month um, we do an event pretty much in every single state that has thousands of people like we just had one last weekend um, which had 10,000 people up at Bribey Island celebrating diversity um, in the car community because people think car event that's hooning that's like lack of safety it's donuts it's drinking and it's dangerous right and that's the stigma and what these guys have done is um create events that bring together like lamborghinis with nissan cubes with four-wheel drives and it looks good because it's just celebrating that a car isn't just about hooning or speed or aesthetic it's about what it actually means to you and it's taking your kids to soccer or um, creating those memories and you bring this community of people together um, and are able to celebrate such an incredible like piece of machinery that means so many different things to different people. Yeah, and we bring awareness to that through the giveaways because, yeah. Yeah, I love that. It sounds really interesting. So tell me how you ended up being the GM of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pestering these young guys who have started this cool little business. Um, yeah, so I was pestering them uh, for a couple months and then uh, they only had two staff at the time um, and I think they were going through that entrepreneurial shift where it's like you either grow or you stay stagnant, right? And yeah. um, they saw what I was doing at Go One and I was training the sales team and like all of that and they said, hey, we're looking to grow the business. Would you like to interview to run um our operations they can help us scale and i was like no <laughs> play it cool you know but yeah i was like absolutely yeah um i do so i interviewed with them had a look at the plan um we made a plan of like what do you guys want me to do where do you want to take the business um what are we looking to do and now 18 months down we've um grown like the subscriptions we've grown the memberships um the events were just in queensland um now they're across the whole country and the team has grown from two to 14 um and we're not stopping anytime soon so it was really like a a passion driven decision for me where i left go one to pursue like be able to again learn from an incredible couple of founders who've built something amazing um but also I love cars. So mm -hmm. I got to be surrounded by the most epic cars all the time. So it wasn't really about the job for me. It, it doesn't feel like a job. Um, it, it was just something that I, I have the luck, yeah. capability of doing and helping them grow something that they're so passionate about. That was what well, still is so exciting for me, um, which is why I haven't quit. <laughs> and, oh, wow. yeah. I need to find someone like you with the good human factor. I need like an EA or an operations manager. <laughs> sounds exactly like you that's passionate about mental health you can help me grow because that's um i'm at that next stage but well hopefully if, if yeah, anyone's listening to this listening right now, if you're uh, ei and you want to help grow the good human factory and you want to help with strategy to scale and grow then i'm looking for someone send me an email <laughs> a lot of um just on that a lot of people wait for an opportunity right even like you're creating it but people are so afraid to create opportunity. Every single thing that I have done in my life in terms of my career, I have put myself in that position to give myself that opportunity. I had a role created for me at Go One because I asked for it. Um, I was able to not go into a legal office 
ever or take time off to do my legal practice because I asked the businesses I worked for for the opportunity to do that. Um, I put myself in a position with motoculture to meet them to be able to want to learn from them. But then like it came up with this opportunity. I emailed you and was like, hey, Cooper, I want to have a chat. You create your opportunities because you miss 100% of the opportunities that you don't put yourself in. And the, what's the worst? It's, it's like sales, right? What's the worst that's going to happen? They're going to say no. Yeah. Or they don't reply. Okay. It's hard. I get people like send me applications to work for the Gucci Man Factory all the time, but I don't even know how to like look through a proper application or like, Take I don't know. I've got lots of shit I need to learn. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's good problems to have. It yeah. just means we're growing. Yeah. Which is good. Well, that means that you're creating something amazing that people want to be a part of. And yeah. that's definitely a company to be proud of. It'll it'll come, it'll come. I appreciate that. <laughs> um so yeah, what are you doing now? I guess this is last little bit. What have you been up to the last six to twelve months? What do you got coming up in the future? Still growing the nail business, head of motor culture Australia, growing that business. Yeah, what are you excited for coming up? Um, obviously, continuing to help grow motoculture is um, massive. Um, I love the founders. They're absolutely fantastic. And the team there, we're, we're so interconnected that, like, the culture there is just not something that you would leave easily. But for me, I want to start now growing the team at Mirabelle Beauty as well so that I can scale that and um, find a way to do everything because I think history has proven that I don't, I don't like just doing one thing. Yeah. Um, it's find a way to do a few things really well um and just consistently just adapting and evolving to to figure out what you need to drop and what what you need to bring in to make it more efficient and that's challenging but um growing mirabelle is a massive one for, for me um just yeah because it's had such an impact on so many people already and i want to keep keep growing that love that yeah. well i'll leave in the show notes all the stuff um mirabelle beauty for any of my lovely lady listeners out there who want to check out some new ways to get their nails done at home by themselves, um, which I think is a great idea. I'm sure there'll be a few people out there who come over and check it out. I'll also leave the stuff for motor culture in the um, show notes if you want to go check out the raffles and the subscription to win cars and the events. It's, um, to be honest, something that's very out of my world. Cars, I'm like, eh, I don't care. Sorry. I'm that's not okay. like you, but we're all different. That's okay. That's so but I, I definitely do see and understand the amazing culture and events that you guys bring, which is so cool. It obviously brings so much joy to so many. But there is a last question I do ask everyone. You said you have listened to some of my podcasts, so you know. I hope you can remember your answer because I bet you drove down from Brisbane today thinking, all right, what am I going to answer this question? But here it is. What does being a good human mean to Maria Braun? Um, it's being true to understanding your values, um, being true to yourself, but also having an understanding for other people and not necessarily having to know them, but being kind to them and showing gratitude and understanding for what they might be going through in their life um, and taking every action with that in mind and, um, yeah. Lead, lead with empathy. Yeah, lead with empathy. Empathy. It's, it comes, everyone's good human thing. It always comes back to empathy, just like looking out for others, but also taking care of yourself. So beautiful answer. But anyway, I appreciate you coming down, having a chat. It's been so interesting learning your – I mean, you've got one more thing, actually. You gave me another little one of your businesses, Wired Upco. Tell me about that quickly. Uh, um, wireless microphones. Um, content is absolutely king these days. I wanted to buy a microphone and I decided that, you know what, um, I'm just going to start a more affordable brand because the Rode microphones, they're great, but they're not necessarily for everyone and for those starting out or that just need it on a daily basis really, really quickly. Started a wireless lapel mic that just plugs into your phone, chuck, on, chuck it onto your lapel and um, you can... It's brought me a gift. I'm going to give it a try and start using it for some of my content. So I'm sure some of um, yeah, my audience might be keen for that too. So I'll leave that in the show notes as well. But thank once you. again, thank you so much for jumping on. It's been an absolute pleasure. I guess the last thing, if anyone wants to find you online or anything, where's the best place to search up? Instagram, um, Maria V. Braun on Instagram. Send me a DM if you want to chat. Always, always happy to, to reply. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story on Good News Podcast. Thank you for having me. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.